You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Welcome to episode 120 of Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Michael Edwards. And you're back. You're back from the great yeah. white... No, that's Canada. Great white north. What do you call Alaska? Um, it's the size of half the continental U.S., but people <laughs> think it's like small or something. It's the stupid uh, Mercator projection or whatever, where it's always in a little box off to the <laughs> yeah. side. Well, and everyone, like, apparently my mom was like, yeah, people are like, hey, do you know so-and-so in Alaska? I'm like, do you realize <laughs> it's, it's like the size of a continent? Now, yeah, population but, size uh, matters. Honestly, yeah. but. And density. I don't think there's people evenly spread out, perfectly <laughs> symmetrical across Alaska. But it's the principle. It's like, I mean, I think it, I'd almost think it would be easier to say if someone lives in Chicago, do they know someone else in Chicago? But No, that's equally stupid, but for a different reason. Like, there's so many people in a, in a mega city that you're just like, no, I don't know your cousin's friend that you can't remember the first name of. <laughs> you have to give me a little more. Uh, so I think uh, we're going to do a little bit of iOS follow-up now that I've had it for more than a few hours. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, and then we got to talk about Google I.O. And there's a surprising amount of overlap between those two things. Uh, so I have to ask you, as my personal genius bar guy, um, the hell is up with notifications on iOS? And and here's what I mean by that. Um, what the hell is up with notifications <laughs> on gonna iOS? You're going to have to explain. So, I, you know, I, I have an iPad. I have my uh se which by the way still wildly in love with the form factor that has not worn off even the tiniest bit um but i'll i'll open like my phone and it'll give me a bunch of notifications that happened at some point in the past and they just like scroll by really quick and then like at some point later I'll open my iPad and it'll be like, Hey, remember that email you got? Those were good times. <laughs> I'm like, I already archived that. It's not even this is not why are you telling me this? I found it depends on the app. Like some apps are better, like maybe the developer has to do something where it's like clears it out and like I feel like Google's apps are really good at this. Is Google also doing this to you? It- Honestly, it kind of seems like it's everything. It's been like Inbox and TweetBot and iMessages and Slack. It's just like all the apps that I care about being notified on, it seems to be happening across the board. So I don't know. And I mean, the other thing is coming from Android, the the settings, the notification settings on iOS are like, they're different, right? I mean, it's (laughs) it's really, we talked about it at great length. Like they're really different. So I, I feel like maybe... I'm partially to blame, but I also kind of hate using a tool where my first thought is like, well, I'm wrong. (laughs) Um, I think the way I live on iOS is really, I mean, since I'm in the Apple Watch Kool-Aid, that is where I get (laughs) notified. And um, my phone only does banners and maybe certain blessed apps get the red badge, (laughs) the red badge of courage. And then uh, my iPad since it's really a like focus work, I'm drawing something machine. I've disabled everything because I don't 
want to be bothered when I'm using it. That's fair. Especially if you're drawing something and your wrist vibrates and then also the screen starts flashing and beeping at you, you're going to be like, ah. And so I, I, maybe I'm just magically, I avoid this problem situation. <laughs> I, I can remember if, if, you know, times when I had heavier notifications on that, it is like, God, I already know. Stop it. <laughs> and um, I don't know if, if Apple's push notification thing is sort of a, hey, we fired it off and we can't pull it back or cancel <laughs> it. But I, I feel like some apps, like it disappears like on one app. If I view the notification, like Google will be like, nah, don't show them it over there anymore. Like well, I've seen is, badges is, disappear that yes, way. Yes, and this is exactly what I find confusing is because the badges and the banners and the the lock screen and the tray all seem to conceivably be related, but in reality are apparently completely separate because the badge thing seems to be pretty solid. Like if I, uh, if I listen to an episode in pocket casts on my phone and then I see the app on my iPad, the badge is gone. Cause it's like, nah, you already listened to it. We're cool. But then the banners, like I will unlock my iPad after not using it for a number of hours, and it's just like banners, 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 banners. How yeah. about some banners? I'm like, why are all the badges up to date, but all these banners are flying down and then disappearing so fast I could not possibly read them? <laughs> it's a mess. I mean, this is one of the weakest parts of iOS is notifications. And okay, that's so why the- like, I'm leapfrogging <laughs> to the watch because I'm like, ah, I don't want to deal with that mess. That at least makes me feel like I'm not crazy. But my my issue with it, having come from Android, where I feel like they did this really well, is I have certain notifications on because I don't want to ever think about, oh my god, did I miss something? Like, I need to know that my work email and like the channels that my, my colleagues get in touch with me on... I will never, ever, ever miss. Like, if my phone is in front of me or my iPad is open, those things need to get my attention, period. And I'm not in that place. I'm in a place where I'm like, should I just open Slack and see if I got any messages? (laughs) And I don't like that. That's not a good feeling. It's diluted. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about watches. Um, You have your Apple Watch, which you're, you're pretty happy with. Yeah. And I have my Moto 360, which I was pretty happy with. (laughs) And after using it for several days on iOS, it's not there (laughs) entirely. (laughs) And this is not, you know, Android's fault. This is entirely the nature of iOS. And of course, they're not going to. That's just not Apple's MO to like open the floodgates on that kind of thing. But it's just annoying enough that I think the only way I could make it useful would be to basically block notifications from everything except phone calls and calendar events <laughs> because other things will try to notify me. And like perfect example is Slack. Like I will get a notification and then open my iPad and like respond on Slack and then go back to my laptop. And then like five minutes later, my watch goes off and it's like, Hey buddy, <laughs> You got a message on Slack, and I'm like, I know, I already, I already, yes, I know that. Thank you. I am for, a server. <laughs> it, it is. It's, but in like the worst way because I, for, I was coming to rely on the watch as being like it, the way you rely on it. Like yeah. it's the the one source of notification truth. <laughs> so I think I might uh, go through some heavy configuration and basically turn it into phone and calendar alarm. So that it's like, well, phone. if somebody bothered to call me, that must be important. 
and you know calendar stuff was always yeah. its main function anyway and then you know if i miss a text message i'll get to it when i get to it but well i think there's and we'll get into the google io stuff i think there's hope that the watch will become independent enough fast enough that this main you know ios may still be a mess but you can kind of drive around it <laughs> and just be like hey my watch connects directly to you know my my mail notification on the watch is directly connected to the internet and it doesn't care what iOS thinks it wants to tell me and I think that could help and then you could use it an iPhone or an Android and it wouldn't matter cuz your watch is an independent choice at that point well and this is something I honestly never considered like whenever someone said oh I got the I don't know Sony watch that has a, a 3G radio in it Everyone was always like, oh, you're going to make phone calls on your watch, Dick Tracy? Nur, 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 nur. <laughs> and, you know, the Apple Watch has that natively, and I never see anyone use it. No. Like, like I know you, you said you've done it, like, a couple times, but, I mean, it, it's a gimmick, right? Nobody actually wants that, so let's just put that to rest. But I never even considered, like, oh, if I just installed apps directly to the phone or to the, the watch and then they get the notifications. Now I'm not even thinking about them pairing with a device because the watch is literally the thing that's notifying me. The watch isn't notifying me of what my phone is notifying me of. Yeah. And that makes a whole lot of sense to me. And we're not there yet. And (laughs) no, we are so not there yet. But this is something that they announced at Google I.O. is going to be a feature of Android Wear 2.0. Yeah. Which I just, I, I will say before we get too deep into the Google I.O. stuff that the theme of Google I.O. seemed to be either, oh my God, this is so incremental, they need to do more, or oh my God, this is like such a, a change <laughs> from what they were doing, why would they do this, this is so stupid. And I understand that there's nuance and these were aimed at different products and, and features that they announced, but it's just kind of like... Can someone please write a nuanced article? Does everything have to be like <laughs> ClickHole? <laughs> yes, that's why ClickHole is awesome. <laughs> that's um, true. It is awesome. Well, I mean, what did you make of the Android Wear update? I mean, I, I have a take that I can say about what I read. Um, I haven't used it, so <laughs> it's, it's that kind of take. <laughs> I mean, so right out of the gate, the keyboard thing just looks dumb as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it, it might work, right? It it could conceivably in some fantasy universe but function. Smartwatches don't have <laughs> the luxury that phones did of just getting bigger and bigger. Like there's there's a breaking point much sooner on and I think smartwatches are already there of like, hey, you can't get bigger. You might be able to stay the same size and people will just be cool with it. But <laughs> Yeah, but but not more of the same. Yeah. So yeah, that that's dumb. Um, and I don't see unless it has some kind of magic, like near magic character recognition. Because well, the it, claim it failed that, on stage, which didn't help. Oh, did it? <laughs> well, he had uh, to try twice to write three p.m. and then. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. See, I actually I had to. I think that the second year in a row this happened to me is I had to play catch up after the fact. I did not get to watch live. That bummed me out. And nobody watches the recording. Like you either see it live or you read blog posts. Well, I, I like it when if you're researching specific aspects of it, usually they'll have like the three minute clip of the relevant part. So that's what I watched. I didn't like go track down the three hour event. And oh, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I figured you know you're on vacation. What better thing to do on vacation than watch like a three hour 
basically TED talk well, about how they're going to change the world. From what I could tell, nothing I saw was like a like other than the keyboard. Like most of it made a lot of sense, seemed like good updates, but it was also like table stakes. Like, oh, so you can like start music and go on a run with your watch. Welcome to what <laughs> everyone expects. <laughs> and it's well, like, <laughs> and, and that stuff I found confusing because I'm fairly sure you can already do that. Yeah. Or I just misunderstood the, like, now you can do it even if you don't own a phone. Like, you can do it 100% divorced from a phone, whereas before you still had to go through the phone as an intermediary, I guess. Yeah. Unless but, you synced music to the watch. Ahead yeah. Of time. And it's like, I, I get, but none of these are, like, sh- like shocking, like, oh, my God, an app store or... Uh, <laughs> Oh my god, I'm going to be able to see a giant honeycomb of all the stuff that's installed. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that that really I thought was like, oh, I would actually spend money on a new device for that was the direct connectivity because I I really genuinely like the idea of saying, oh, my watch is notifying me that I have an event or that I got an email or whatever, not that my phone told it to tell me yeah. and that just makes it seem more useful. Cause then like if you go on a walk, right. So like I, I go out of the house and if text messages or, or hangouts or hello, we'll get to that. If, the, <laughs> if that stuff is like forwarded to my watch and I left my phone at home, but my watch is equipped. So I'm less likely to leave it at home. And then I get like a panic message from my spouse or something and, or a calendar notification. Like, dude, you're seriously about to get fired. Like this meeting is big time <laughs> important. That stuff wouldn't really work today unless they were caching some of it. And then you're kind of relying on the app developer to cache some stuff on your watch and like that seems clunky whereas if it's just direct communication then it's direct communication so that you know i i think i would actually upgrade for that reason but i don't know when i i look forward to being able to ignore my phone even more and right now it's sort of like at work or at home i can kind of set my phone down and only grab it if i really need it and that's awesome, and I love it. <laughs> and I would love to be like, hey, I'm just going to the grocery store. I'm not, like, even if something comes up, I'm not going to, like, pull over and start writing a giant email. I'm going to say, hey, I'll get back to it when I'm home. And so, but being connected still is great, and it's awesome. And so I, I'm going to really look forward to that. But I do think wearables are still just going to face the fact that they are not going to penetrate the market like phones are. They're just not. No. I mean, until I could imagine a future where it's like, oh, the iPhone comes with an Apple Watch. Like this is <laughs> just like they come with earbuds now. And I mean, I'm talking I'd find like, that alarming if they had felt like they had to pack <laughs> it in. <laughs> well, but I'm, I'm talking like way off, right? Where it's like a wearable is a foregone conclusion of your computing device. So it's like, you know, 10 years from now, like, oh, I'm buying my new mobile computing device and this is the wrist mounted notification thingy that comes with it. Like, that's that doesn't seem completely outlandish, does it? <laughs> is it really that weird? The I think the question is, do you see a, a set of people that will be watch only? Nah. <laughs> Well, I, so for a very brief time, I had, when, when uh, wearables were still even newer than they are now, uh, I had this fantasy of pairing a wearable to like a tablet-sized device, like a 7-inch or larger that was just in my bag, 
So then it was like, well, my smallest device is this giant tablet. So if I'm standing in line in a coffee shop or something, I'm not going to just pull out my phone because I can't. Yeah. Like, if I take out my computing device, it is to do some thing, not just mindlessly yeah. browse. And, uh, and the seven-inch tablet will have some r- rolled-up fabric keyboard you can type on or some yeah, yeah, the projector whole redi- keyboard. The laser keyboard, yeah. Oh, God, those were always a catastrophe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, uh, that did not pan out. And actually, one of the main reasons that did not pan out is because uh, for bizarre regulatory reasons, the tablets that all have LTE radios overseas and can make phone calls, all have that gimped when they come to the United States. No idea why. I'm sure there is some insane like FCC reason, but there is, in the United States, legally a difference between a device that can make phone calls and a device that can't. Even though the device that can't make phone calls can make a hundred different things of what any normal person (laughs) would call a phone call... It's 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 just different. It has something yeah. to do with the cell towers, I guess. Yeah. Should we yeah. move on? Yeah, we should. Um, I will say just this one quick comment about uh, Android versus iOS in general. Um, and I mean this in a very general way. Uh, they have basically reached feature parity from a user standpoint. There is absolutely nothing I have wanted to do on my iPhone that I couldn't but could have done on my Android phone. Now, it doesn't mean it was as easy, right? Sometimes there was more steps. Sometimes there was fewer steps. Sometimes the experience was better. Sometimes it was worse. But I have not come up against a task that I wanted to accomplish where I was just like, well, I'm on the wrong platform, so I'm totally up the creek. And I think that's actually a really good thing, right? Like there there are dedicated apps that are tied to Android or tied to iOS, and that'll always be that way. But in general, Everything I have wanted or needed to do, I was able to do. And that's a little refreshing because <laughs> when the iPhone was new and, and you know, soon after Android came out, like they were night and day. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it was it was like in the, the 90s, if you had an IBM or an IBM clone and somebody else had a, a Mac and it was like, well, we, they literally cannot talk to each other. Like <laughs> they are incompatible. They're for different things. And and I feel like we we've crested that hill. And the endless dick measuring contest between <laughs> the camps of like, well, we just got this. Well, we just got this. You stole that from Jailbreak. You stole that from Android. Whatever. Like, I just like that's so neckbeardy. I'm so I'm so <laughs> glad that no one cares anymore. And it's like, ah, shut up. Yeah, I mean, being a recent convert, it is really hard to turn off that part of my brain and be like. <laughs> Well, I mean, with the notifications, I'm just like, oh, man, this is so much better on Android. But it's not like I've, I haven't i have missed anything that I know of. I'm just not as comfortable with the way it's done. I'll adjust, and yeah. then it'll be like, ha-ha, who used to care about that? Well, and we'll get into I.O., but like one of the tablet updates is, ha-ha, multitasking side-by-side apps. And it's like, <laughs> okay, Windows 8 <laughs> did this. iOS just did it. But I mean, I know in comment sections, people still care and want to yell about it, but (laughs) it doesn't seem to spill into the general public like it did before of like this constant war. Well, and so let's let's talk about some of the things they announced. Uh, Allo and Duo, which I'm told it's pronounced Allo like aloe vera, not like 
Hello. <laughs> they would have put an apostrophe. <laughs> well, and both seem stupid, but aloe like aloe vera just seems like a weird thing that Google would do. <laughs> and aloe like we're making fun of the British seems tone deaf even for them. <laughs> right? Uh, I, I just I can't imagine a world in which that would make it all the way through marketing. And this is Google's marketing, which can be quite quirky. Yeah. So, I mean, just summarize if you didn't pay attention to Google I.O. Allo is like WhatsApp or iMessage. It's tied to your phone number. It's cross-platform messaging. And if you're thinking, doesn't Google already have some cross-platform messaging apps? Yes, they do. They didn't say they were <laughs> killing those. They're adding more. In which... fact, I believe they officially said the opposite, that they were not <laughs> killing them. Yeah, and I'm sure that's somewhat install base of people that would be angry. But... Um, yeah, it's like, here's two more, and we don't know, like, there's some cool things about these apps, like UI-wise, like, I thought the, like, text size drag was kind of neat, and... Oh, wh- whisper shout? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if that's make matters in real life neat, but it was neat in the demo, and, uh, you know, they're, we'll get into their machine learning AI sort of stuff. Um, that's obviously compelling as far as the future of what Google is, um, kind of as a foundationally to their company. But as you know, yet another messaging app, it's kind of like, uh, I gotta install more stuff. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm glad you uh, reminded me that it is tied WhatsApp style to your phone number. Um, and then you can also link it to your Google account, which has tremendous privacy whatever we'll talk about that in a second but that has that has tremendous promise that eventually there'll be like a desktop app right because it'll know who you are on the phone number because you volunteered and you were like oh yeah this is my phone number but is that not a huge buzzkill from the outset that it's literally like mobile only Yes, it it is. I mean, honestly, like it it is. I was super disappointed when they were like mobile only, and I looked around. I was googling around. I was trying to find some offhanded comment where they were like, "and desktop app coming" or whatever. And I just <laughs> now, do you know? Like, can you use it on tablet? Still tied to your phone number, like phone and tablet at least. Ooh, that I or is it literally one device? Good luck. This is the only device you're getting Allo notifications on. That I actually do not know. Although the tie through the Google account would make me think, yeah, if you have like an iPad or a Nexus tablet that you could fire it up and use it. Um, it. I was gonna say it'd be weird if you couldn't, but who yeah. knows? It's Google. <laughs> They do whatever yeah. the hell they want. And then to summarize Duo quickly, it's kind of, it's a it's a video chat. It's like a FaceTime um, with some. And the the neat thing there, which I think is uh, also potentially could be depending on how they they didn't like. Um, if you listen to the ATP podcast, they already made this point. So <laughs> I, I want to give credit, but. Um, so it shows you the footage of the person that's calling you, like, say, you know, the, fa- the FaceTime style ringing. Um, instead of just, like, here's their contact photo, it's here's live footage of them waiting for you to answer. And I'm I believe like, it's called Knock Knock. Yeah. And that's cool. Um, what they didn't explain, which I, I'm sure it's this way, I really hope it's this way, <laughs> is 
only your contacts will do that, right? Because yeah, or if, only your favorites or something. Because the the first story, the first headline of <laughs> you know dicks being <laughs> fired at someone else, you know, unsolicited, um, is going to be kind of like awkward. And and you know to to make it clear in no uncertain terms to Google, if they hadn't thought of that somehow. Now the entire internet has thought of it for you. <laughs> so and this pretend product, you thought of it. <laughs> yeah, this product doesn't come out for like another month or two, so exactly right. Just pretend you thought of this and just act like, no, nah, baby, of course, we're always going to only do your contacts. It would be crazy otherwise. Like there's, there's so much, uh, oh God, I'm sure there's some kind of term for this where you just... Uh, somebody's like giving you an out, like all of the internet, all <laughs> yeah. of, all of people who are Here's fans of technology <laughs> are just tossing them this freebie. And it's like, you don't have to send me a check. Just please don't let yeah. a bunch of women get harassed on their phones y- using this app. Um, if you do decide to check out the IO demo, which I want to be clear, I don't judge the products by how they're demoed the first time because crap happens. It's often very alpha first unveiling. Um, but, and this actually has nothing to do with the product bugging up, but the guy <laughs> hangs up on his kids and it's really awkward. <laughs> he basically is just like, boop. And then he goes, whoops into the crowd. And it's just weird. And when it, cause it, like his kids call him and they're Ooh. waving and they're super cute. And he, I think it's just, ner- he was just nervous. Sure. And it's not like he like hates his kids <laughs> or something, but it just comes off so awkward when he's just like, and that's the call. Boop. <laughs> Doesn't even say bye. <laughs> I see them at home all the time. Just whatever. It's like a. Uh, it's like in a movie how no one ever waits for their change. <laughs> in a in a messaging app demo, no one says goodbye. Yeah, um, I think the most interesting thing happening here, which will tie into what I think is the the most like cool shit they were announcing uh, with Google Home, is the the AI stuff in Allo. Um, it remains to be seen how cool people will be with. Um, you know, I, I, the only analogy I have now is Slackbot, which, um, is kind of just a dumb repeater of little things. I know you can program other bots and <laughs> Slack is investing hugely in bot stuff as is Facebook. But, um, you know, Google's proposition is, um, Hey, let us into your conversations and at unique moments when you mention, and it's always good getting a restaurant. It's always this like, yeah. um, how about sushi? <laughs> Um, but nonetheless, it's sort of that situation. Or what I like is the the idea that I don't have to leave the app to do that Google research. Because on the desktop, it's like whatever, command tab. But on mobile, it's hold on, stop everything. I'm going to switch apps, research yep. this, and come back. And uh, we've already seen a preview of that with the, the Gboard keyboard on iOS. You can do searches in any app because it's just part of the keyboard. And it's awesome. <laughs> and... Uh, now imagine some intelligent assistant would go out and grab some stuff intelligently when you need it. Um, I think this is in Google's wheelhouse. I think when we talk about Google Home, we can get even deeper on it. But that's cool. Will people be cool with it? I think they will. I think people don't really care about their privacy, <laughs> especially when they're provided with value. Well, and you, you're right to say that. Most people don't care. And so the hardcore privacy advocates are freaking out because they're saying now people are going to be giving up even more information and they're not even going to realize you know, what they're giving away. And I don't think those people are wrong. 
those people are going to give up a lot more information. I don't think the average person is as ignorant. They're ignorant of how the technology works and they're ignorant of the possible like dystopia ramifications. But if Google now says, hey, you have a, a dentist appointment in 20 minutes and it's 15 minutes away, you should leave in the next two or three minutes. I don't think that person goes like, oh my God, how was Google able to completely respect my privacy and also tell me that? Like, it's it's obvious how they were able to determine that, right? They can see your calendar, they can see your email, they know where you live, they know where the dentist appointment well, and is. Even like, with that example, I could imagine them doing like what Apple does with map directions and still splitting things up and anonymizing it or somehow dissociating the estimate of time from the specific person. Yeah, so as machine learning will be woven in throughout this entire discussion, uh, having now used Siri on and off for a week <laughs> a lot more because, you know, on the phone, use it a lot more than like on the iPad. Uh, no, you apparently can't do that. <laughs> apparently, giving up your entire private life and letting them tap directly into your brain is the only way to advance machine learning because the data set required to advance this technology is non-trivial and... I mean, I'm not saying Apple's wrong, but like they have invested in privacy and Google has invested in machine learning and algorithms and, and you know, the, the computer science side of it. And I have said things to Siri that were really, really rudimentary. Like, here's a perfect example. I think I actually took a screenshot of it. So if I have it, I'll, I'll throw it in the show notes. But I, I'm going to uh, be going to Sioux City, South Dakota, right? There are other Sioux cities. There's one in Iowa. I know now because I said, what's the weather like in Sioux City? And it said, here's the weather in Sioux City, Iowa. And so I was like, well, that's fair. Maybe that's the larger one or whatever. And then I asked again, what's the weather in Sioux City, South Dakota? And it said, here's the weather in Sioux City, Iowa. And I was like, "That <laughs> what? Like, come on. Like, Google would have nailed that crap. But that... Like that, um, that particular example has nothing to do with your privacy. That's just failure. And I wonder, I mean, it, it's failure, but I think you can't plan for success without this massive, massive data set. I, I think mean, the, all of the Google voice transcription stuff came from the free, like, 411 dial Google search yeah. thing. I still think there's a little spectrum here, and I, I think Apple's struggle has as much to do with their lack of investment in AI anyway, let alone their privacy stance. And I, I, I do agree that the privacy stance Apple makes with the design of these services is going to be a hurdle. It Maybe it'll be completely disqualifying for their their entry in the AI race, um, or maybe they'll budge somehow, or, or maybe some innovation will thread the needle of respecting as much privacy as possible, you know, anonymizing, splitting things up, whatever speeds will get faster. Um, I don't know. That's their uphill battle to climb. Um, I, I guess I'm just saying series sucks but it might suck just because <laughs> apple isn't trying hard and not just because they try to make it respect your privacy that that's fair i mean it, it's basically got the same abilities and feature set as it did when it launched what four four years ago it's stuck in like 2011 2012 it's like haha you set an alarm and it's like but there's a lot more you can do now and 
they they've been advertising it regularly. They still advertise Hey Siri and like kind of have this this image of the AI automated life assistant. And the product ain't there. Um, no. Other than setting alarms. <laughs> I mean, to your point, if I was Google, I would, and and hopefully they do already have this. If not, here's another free idea. Uh, I would have a team deeply invested in solving that threading the needle problem. Like you, you security researchers, all you are going to do is figure out how we can do the same things we could do if we had totally unrestricted access to someone's information and yet make it completely anonymous and private from us. Yeah. Like if, if that is in fact a solvable problem and Google solves that problem, the race will be over. Like that'll (laughs) be just it. They're better poised to solve that problem because they are, you know, I'd I'd say they're the furthest ahead on this front. And that's why I want to talk about Google home. Cause I think this is, this is where Amazon has had a head start consumer-wise, um, but they have a real beast on their ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, and, and, and I think that is where the machine learning stuff plays in the most. But in even inside Allo and inside uh, Google Now, which I, honestly, it's a little wonky to have to open the Google app on iOS, but Google Now is is useful enough to me because I've just given my entire life over to my robot overlords that it's, it's actually worth the swipe and tap. Like I'm, I'm thinking about upgrading it to home screen so I can (laughs) actually just tap it. Particularly if I want to do something via voice, I would rather open up the Google app and then use that integrated voice where it goes to Google servers, <laughs> yeah. then try and use Siri. And I mean, granted, like I was cooking earlier today, I set a, a timer with Siri. It worked great. But if <laughs> I ever want to do- <laughs> five years ago, <laughs> exactly. If I ever want to do something more interesting, uh, then, you know, y- you got to go Google. So can go- you Google wait, home? Wait, wait, uh, yeah, wait. One more thing. Oh, no, I just before we we transition to Google home. There is going to be uh, baked into Allo uh, some of the uh, auto reply stuff from that we first saw with Inbox, and the blanket reaction I've I've press read press X is, to pay respects. <laughs> yes, is like people are just like ew, that's weird, and I'm like, is it? Is it really that weird? Is it any weirder than pressing like I and then selecting I'm and then hitting H and selecting happy? And then it already knows the next word is probably four. And then the word after that is you. And then you want a period. I like this. There's a a baby version of this on Apple Watch. It's not very machine intelligent because we know Apple isn't ahead (laughs) of the game there. But, you know, if someone, someone asks you something with a very simple like this or that, kind of phrasing it'll offer those two suggestions and it's like oh yeah that and um that's awesome and it saves time and it has nothing to do with matching my voice so i think people are worried about the sort of like the call of duty press x to pay respects like (laughs) oh your kid's cute i just i just like flung my finger at the screen and then i pretended to care about um on the more scandalous (laughs) side I, i saw um i've seen that uh on the apple watch if you get like an instagram notification you can like a picture without seeing it (laughs) <laughs> which seems like an even worse giant leap of not pre- not presenting yourself honestly. See, 
Here's why I don't have a problem with the the autoresponder uh, inbox style and, and eventually like we'll see an allo is um, I still have to press that thing. It's not responding for me. It's just saying, here's something we know you're probably going to say based on what we know about you and the context of this situation. And if somebody sends me a picture of their dog, it's not unreasonable to to think that my response might be like, <laughs> like, aw, right? Or like, you know, you know, uh, like screamy cute face emoji or something <laughs> like that's that's really doesn't seem that offensive. And if all the options that come up are terrible, I just won't use them. <laughs> Is are you like going like, oh man, I got my cute dog cue. I got to get through them quickly. I really need some Google automation. I mean, I think that's why this is a demo (laughs) and it's like, use your imagination. Maybe there's other kinds of triage where this will be useful. Well, I mean, so I've actually used inbox to auto respond to people and it's usually, um, yep. Got it. (laughs) Yep. Got it. Or like, I'll see you then, you know, where they're confirming like a meeting time or an appointment time or something. And I don't, I don't feel the tiniest bit bad about that. Like I lose no sleep over that. Those are probably the words I might've typed in the order. I might've typed them (laughs) with the punctuation I might've used. And I don't feel bad about that. That to me is really in zero ways different than if I was Don Draper and I get, you know, a message and I tell my secretary like, Oh yeah. Tell John I'll meet him for drinks at six. Like, Secretary oh, well, figures out a different way to write it. Doesn't matter. Right? Yeah, that to me feels literally like the same thing, which is why we keep making these like assistant and smart assistant and digital assistant analogies is because we've already done that. And for some reason with humans, it was okay. And now it's like, I mean, do you remember the old jokes when someone would finish uh, in like a movie or a cartoon, they would finish dictation and then they would be like dictated, not read. <laughs> It's like, are we, so do I now need to like sign my emails with that? Like I shouted at my phone, but I didn't actually read what it typed. I just told it to send. <laughs> the this disclaimer signature everyone has these days. Typed on an iPhone. Please forgive any fat fingers. Nur, 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 yeah. nur, nur. By the way, typing on an iPhone sucks compared to Android. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Google Home. All right. What is Google Home? It's, uh, what, what are all the jokes that people have been making? Uh, it looks like a potted plant. Uh, it looks like, um, an air freshener thing that you would put in a bathroom. Uh, it, it looks like a, like a vase with no flowers. Um, but what it actually is, is their direct competitor to the Amazon echo. And it's, it's a little, you know, tube that you put out in your house and then you shout things at it and then it does things. And I've used an Amazon Echo a couple times, and it's pretty pretty freaking slick. The Array microphones are phenomenal. It can hear you, and it does really fast processing because they probably use Azure as their back end for the Echo. I think is the, uh, the not, not AWS. I really did that sarcasm really fall on deaf ears? <laughs> you're you're tired from travel. That's <laughs> that has to be what happened here. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure it's AWS. Uh, but, you know, it, it works well, but there is a very real limit to what it can do, right? Because Amazon just doesn't know you uh, as well as Google probably does. And they also, even if they had more data, they don't have the same uh, machine learning cool stuff that's going on. Uh, so when I saw the Echo, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I used one and I was like, oh, this is something. Like, this is going to yeah, be something. This is compelling. 
Yeah, and then when I I saw Google Home, I was like, "Where do I pre-order this?" <laughs> so I'm like, I'm I'm all in. Like, what what do you think about it? No, I think this is the kind of thing where you're like, "This is what Google is about," and they get a lot of upfront optimism that it's going to be pretty good. And um, you know, when they come out with a, yet another messaging app, you're like, "Oh, how long till they abandon this and barely update it?" Or you know, some other initiative that's kind of outside their usual core. But this is. Um, you know, if Google is about organizing the world's information, then this is kind of like perfectly part of that <laughs> core competency. And so it's it's exciting to be like, yes, this is why you exist. Go kill and slay at this. And um, I, I'd be very interested in, in trying this out. Um, and the other nice thing about it is, um, I mean, Google's hardware has had mixed success, even if it's usually pretty good hardware. Like all their Nexus phones, whether an OEM helped them make it or not, are pretty awesome. Um, you know, I can't think of any like serious duds. Um, the, the Chromecast has been a Chromecast big success. Chromecast is great. Yeah, that's probably one of their biggest successes. But, you know, the Nexus Q is kind of dumb. Why did they make yeah, that? that? Yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> but <laughs> even there, the hardware was cool and it was like well made. And so, um, this also seems like a nice piece of hardware jokes aside. And so that's never been their problem. Um, the problem is they like abandon stuff, but this being part of their wheelhouse, I think you can throw your weight into it, even as a Gen 1 product, and be excited about it. And even if the hardware doesn't succeed, their secret is that they're web services. And <laughs> if you have an Android phone or you have the app on iOS, I'm sure there will be, you know, be tied into everything Google-related. Um, this kind of functionality will be spread as a mesh through lots of things. So Google can make cool hardware, but they don't, it's not their only horse. Well, you know, you just made me think of something and it sounds incredibly Google apologist, but hear me out on this. Google has had failures, right? They've released physical and lots of software products that have tanked, that received no updates, or that received updates and then suddenly tanked, right? There's there's been there are Wikipedia pages dedicated to the graveyard of stuff Google has killed. But if you wanted to be a like a positive futurist about it, and I think that this actually lines up very much with the way Google operates. And, and what they believe in, you could, follow me on this, <laughs> make an argument that they've never had a flop because there are obvious threads of everything they've ever done. Google Wave. <laughs> no, all of that live document editing stuff, that's what made that happen in Drive. That thing that we completely take for granted, this stupid spreadsheet we have open right now where we can see where each other are looking and what we're typing, all that came out of Wave. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but that thing was a disaster. I can't, I can't call that a Well, win. no, and this is what I'm saying. It's absolutely like the apologist way to describe it. But uh, when you say, like, even if you don't buy this thing... Every single person who's using a Google Home will be making Google Allo's Assistant and Google Now and Google Inbox and anything else that uses smart stuff better, right? So if, if you have one person who's using Google Allo and one person who's using uh, Google Home and another person who's using Inbox, they are in a very real way all improving each other's experiences in how they use those devices and how much information they pour into them. Um, and, and, you know, the more 
the more the better, right? More data drives these things and makes them more accurate, statistical significance and all that stuff. And that's why I think uh, the Google Home, as long as the hardware isn't like a dumpster fire or ridiculously expensive, I honestly don't see how this could be a total failure. It might not be like a breakout success like the the Chromecast was in in, in terms of uh, Google's hardware, but I just don't see... I love Google now, man. Like it works so well. I don't see how having that in my house where I could just shout things at it could possibly not be awesome. Well, and I, I would like it as a product that doesn't have to care that I've invested in a vertical solution in 10 other ways. Like whatever, you use a PlayStation and you have an Android phone and an iPad and whatever. I don't care. Just put me in your home and stuff can happen and I'm tied through the web so no matter what platform you're using otherwise. I mean, this is one of the reasons to love Google is because they're so <laughs> invested in the web that their stuff tends to work well everywhere. Even if it works best somewhere, it will still usually be usable almost everywhere else. And, you know, I totally forgot to say this when we were talking about Allo and Duo at first, but... One of the first things I saw, and I don't know how it went on stage, but one of the first things I saw was at launch, it will be Android and iOS. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, that's, th this is, and, and I think I said this during our, our seven hour opus on the iPhone last week, but the dream of using Apple's hardware and Google services, I don't feel like it's dead. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's, it's doing okay. There are things on my phone, like uh, the iPhone would be the ultimate end-all, be-all phone if it had default apps. <laughs> it, because then you could open up your iPhone with your beautiful, perfect hardware made by Johnny Ive in his perfect white room, and you could just say, hey, I'm not going <laughs> to use Siri. I'm going to use Google now. Hey, I don't want your stupid mail-in calendar. I want Google stuff. I don't want your dumb maps. I want Google Maps. Like, if you could just do that like you could in 2008, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. This is one reason I love... Uh, OS 10 because it remains I mean I, I get it, it's not a perfect like it's not what you would want on your phone in any way shape or form but it's like oh they didn't get to start with a closed platform so it's awesome and you can use whatever you want yeah I, I just I, I'm, I'm, I'm clutching at the dream because I'm so happy with this hardware like it's just so damn Good. <laughs> I love it. But there are some like googly Android y things that I, I genuinely miss. Like they're yeah. not gonna make me say, like, oh, this was a mistake. I need to switch back. Like I'm I'm pretty happy with iOS as my my daily driver. It's fine. Um and there are even some things that I prefer. Like there are some uh just some ways like interactions are handled between apps that are different from Android, but are very solid. Like it always behaves the way I expect, even if the steps to do it are clunky, like the the share sheet stuff. Yeah. Like I'll share something and it goes exactly to the place I think and does the same thing, probably because that's the only thing it can do <laughs> every time. So th there's some stability in, in those limitations. Um, but I just, I want to see, 
I, I need I, I need I'm I'm not giving up Google for Apple stuff. I'm just not. I'm yeah. I'm way as a as a user, I care way more about my services experience than I do about the perfectly polished aluminium chamfered edges. Yeah. But, Which but I, man, I don't think edges. you can completely divorce those. Um, oh no. No. If my phone was a jagged plastic <laughs> piece of crap, like I would I would deal with the inconveniences of iOS using Google services if all Android devices were garbage, but they're not. Yeah. Most of them are okay. Many of them are good and several are great. So it's, you know, I, I, I made this specific switch because I wanted this literal specific piece of hardware. But if there was an Android phone that had similar guts and was a similar size, I never would have done this experiment. I would have just switched to that smaller Android phone. So back to Google Home, I think one of the sort of the, the caveat disclaimer or challenges is um, the reason Google needs to make this hardware is they don't want to, and it's also the reason Android exists at all, is they don't want to always be second fiddle on someone else's platform. Um, if you can be the platform, of course be the platform. <laughs> don't just be an app on someone else's. I think Facebook is is a really interesting case of they aren't the platform in any hardware sense, despite some really awful attempts. Um, and yet Facebook is thriving without a platform. Um, I mean, Facebook is a platform because it's so gargantuan. But I think, you know, Google's play here, haha, Google's play. Um, <laughs> they really don't want to be at the mercy of trying to be an extra install on Apple's platform as their main access to a, a huge population, um, even though that they're doing that because they have to for iOS users. And then they don't want Amazon to get so embedded in the living room that they have to become some sort of app or second piece of that ecosystem. And so that's sort of like, even if you believe Google will be the best at this and they already are ahead of the game, um, will they be better enough that they... <laughs> can be apps on other platforms and still remain uh, primary to people. And I, I think that's the, the, you know, I'm phrasing it, it, it's probably not that big of a danger, but that's what they have to worry about is um, being, they, they can't just be better. They have to get a platform in place. Well, and for Apple's uh, way they've chosen to attack the market uh, just like Apple can't suddenly overnight decide like, hey, we're going to do machine learning and we're going to have algorithms and awesome web services, right? That takes many, many, many years of dedicated, focused, hard work and investment. Uh, on the, the flip side, Google cannot just say, hey, we're going to spin up a fabrication and, and factory distribution arm that rivals Apple's or Amazon's. Like that also takes time and resources and people who know how to run those things. And and if Google waited another, you know, four or five, six years and then suddenly was like, uh, no one has ever bought a product with our brand logo on it. We should build something. It would be way too late. Yeah. Right. Like if you ask someone today right now, like what's a physical object you can buy that says Google on it? Even though the Chromecast is a huge success, I don't think most people would think of it. Yeah. Right. And Google what else TV? is there? <laughs> Yeah, there's those even Google still TV. sold. 
yes, yes, I think yes. Or no, they <laughs> they canned that brand for Android TV. I think. Oh, okay, that's right. That was a year or two ago, a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, you wouldn't even think of an Android phone that way. Like, I don't think of my Android phones as Google phones, even though they obviously are. <laughs> like, they so like there absolutely would be pretty are. much no attraction to the platform without Google services. Right. But if you went up to the average person and said, who makes your phone? Chances are they would say Samsung. Yeah. It's a, it's a Samsung phone running Google. And you don't want that to fester until you're like irrelevant, even though you helped build the empire that someone else is ruling. Right. But if you think of this back uh, in the day, if you went up to the average person in 1998 and said, what kind of computer do you have? They would say a Windows computer, even though it was a Packard Bell, yeah. you know, running Microsoft Windows. But Microsoft was able to to own that so hard that, you know, their stuff was plastered over everything. That's what I mean, is the, the maker of the box was like, who the hell cares who made your stupid cream-colored rectangle? Like, this is a Windows PC. But isn't this what the iMac helped destroy was that uh, it's just a beige box that sits over there and is really loud? <laughs> Absolutely, which is why is just one of the other reasons it's crucial for Google to have a presence, a physical presence, right? They can't just be an app on your home screen or a bookmark yeah. in your, your toolbar. Like You have to look at an object in your home and be like, Google made that, and I love <laughs> it. Because, I mean, we're just we're dumb monkey people, right? Like The things we see have that effect on us. Yeah. Just like I'm, I've multiple times picked up my SE to stroke <laughs> it lovingly during this recording. I would love to get up in the morning and shout things at my Google Home. <laughs> Although uh, one feature that they did not announce, and I am positive it does not have, and when they nail this, I will be like salivating. Really, really, absolutely killer voice recognition. Star Trek, man, give it to me. Yes, please, that. Because uh, if you've ever seen any of the movies, they always freaking destroy the ship in, like, every movie. And there's always some, like, you know, Picard 23578 authorization blow up the ship kind of thing. And it doesn't... He can just say that in the middle of the room because you have to be him for yeah. that to work. You can't just say his code. You have to be him saying his code. And I, I, I assume, I don't know this, but I, I have a strong assumption that the Google Home will not do things like read emails. So I can't just say to it, like, read my last email, because that would be a massive security flaw. But I would like to be able to do that, right? If I was home alone or if I was only around people that I trust and I could just say, like, you know, oh, I just heard my phone ding. Read me that text message, right? Yeah. But nobody else could say that. But I mean, they're not even shipping with multi-user at launch because there'd be no way to differentiate between people like the I we need this. Like, I'm sure this is an incredibly hard computational problem. But well, oh, man. And so imagine that was, you know, it's, there's going to be biometrics involved, probably just, you know, voice analysis stuff like ninety nine point nine percent. And would you ever imagine Google doing that in a like a secure enclave fashion of like. Hey, we create this profile of who you are, and that's stored locally in a way we can never get to, and it's like totally just you, and we don't we don't store this and advertise against it or anything. 
for things that acted as security features, they have already done what Apple did. So like when you set up uh, Nexus Print, I think yeah. they call it, um, that's local on the device. If you reset the device. So I think that's or, the way you'd want it to be is you uh, made absolutely. a profile of who I am vocally and like to the point where I'm sure machines will be able to reproduce my voice pretty much identically. <laughs> yeah, please keep that encrypted in a way. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean to me that's no different than storing my password and you know as like a, a hash. So like Google doesn't know what my password is. They can just say I, yes or no to Exactly whether... right. And and the fingerprint thing we've already gone in that same direction and I would hope and love to see a voice print go in that same direction, but you know, I mean, you, you're a musician, you know, we mix podcasts like every single week. And one thing that I get into arguments with people all the time, whenever they talk about, uh, audio and like auto captioning videos and that kind of thing, they're like, Oh, why isn't every video just auto captioned? Because most people's audio sucks. Yeah. Like if I'm across the room from my Google home and I'm the door is mostly shut and I have a head cold and I, you know, I haven't had anything to drink yet today. So my throat is dry. Like it would have to be orders of magnitude better to still recognize my voice with all of those constraints as what it would do. The, the five times I say my name when I'm setting it up and I'm like, David Lyons, David Lyons. Yeah. David Lyons. Well, no, I had some delicious uh, schadenfreude the other <laughs> week when uh, a different part of work, I'm going to be super vague, um, that isn't quite as committed to quality, um, recorded a webinar, and then we had also done a webinar and recorded it, and the YouTube auto transcribe was like, we had to edit it, but it was like editing, you know, maybe every other sentence. There was a weird word choice or something or every couple sentences. So would you say like 85, 90% success? Yeah, like pretty, pretty good. And even where it screwed up, you could understand what it was <laughs> that it should be. And it was pretty easy to edit. And this other video, <laughs> and it was like, you know, an hour long webinar, like to hire, even like to hire like some sad grad student to sit there and type it out <laughs> would still, even at minimum wage, be expensive. And yes. this is crappy audio, so you can't throw it at a machine yet. There's not a machine good enough yet. And so we're able to save hours. And, you know, if you want to calculate in terms of salary involved with the not minimum <laughs> wage person doing it, it's like being quality from the outside. I don't know, it was just delicious to be like, haha, we cared and it mattered. <laughs> Yeah, so the, this is phenomenal. Not in my wildest dreams could I have hoped you would have that direct of a comparison <laughs> to my vague analogy. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, there are, there are tum blogs dedicated to how terrible YouTube's uh, auto close captioning is. It was hilarious, is. some of the mistakes. <laughs> well, but this is the thing that frustrates me is people are like, oh, you know, YouTube just really sucks at that. And I'm like, does it? Or does the audio that we're giving it suck and they're doing amazing considering the materials they're working with? Like when when you watch uh, like Survivor Man and he builds a little shanty out of like 
bay leaves and twigs and everybody's like oh but look there's still water dripping on his head and it's like he <laughs> built a house out of garbage <laughs> could give this him is, a little bit this of is why the robots are gonna kill us because like the first walking robots are gonna like walk weird and we're gonna like laugh at them and kick them and then they're gonna be like okay humanity is not worth saving <laughs> just immediately <laughs> <laughs> it's on now <laughs> so that you you do not have as far as i know an amazon echo right no what price would you pay up to for a Google Home? Because I'm thinking, honestly, like two fifty, two ninety nine would not. <laughs> I mean, I'd 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 roll pennies. I wouldn't just take that out of like my mortgage account, but like I would get the money together to buy one. I think up to two or three hundred dollars. Well, I think this kind of product needs to be ninety nine dollars, though. I think that's Ooh. where it needs to get um, for mass market. Um, you know the Chromecast is amazing because it, is it still twenty nine? Is it even cheaper than that yet? Or I don't know. Ooh, I think it is still twenty nine, which is you know in the sea of forty nine and ninety nine dollar TV boxes that you use mainly for Netflix. It's the <laughs> best option if you just want to do simple streaming. Um, yeah, I I think like especially. I mean, I know it might be a little ambitious to expect that early on with you know the kind of microphones and the 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 hardware going on. Um, one ninety nine is probably more realistic, but um, I'm an early adopter, so I'll probably pay up to one ninety nine for this. But I, I feel like, especially if you you have a big house and you're expecting to maybe buy several of these, these need to be like hundred dollar things. So the mics, my understanding is there are basically two things inside of a device like this that cost money: the array microphones. And and to be clear, and please correct me when I butcher this inevitably, uh, that means there is literally an array of microphones. So there's like 9, 10, 12 microphones, and that's why it can hear in all directions. That's why it can hear so well, because it can like piece, you know, echoes and room noise and stuff together. So that's expensive, because there's a crap ton of, of microphones in there. And then the speaker. So when the original Echo came out, it was like a but ton of money. It was like I think two ninety nine or something. It was it was fairly expensive. Uh, that has come down. It might have been one ninety nine, but that has come down to one seventy nine for the full on Pringles can Echo. The Echo Dot is only eighty nine ninety nine, and my understanding is the reason is because they cut the speaker out completely, and the speaker that's in the Dot, if it even has one at all, is like garbage. You are meant to plug it into a stereo. But it still has the array microphone, so you can still shout to it from anywhere. And then the tap is the one where they went in the opposite direction, and they were like, yeah, it doesn't really need array microphones because there's a button on it, and you have to physically push the button, which means you are relatively close to it. You cannot activate it with just your voice, but it has a big, high-quality speaker because it's meant for listening to music. So I would absolutely say... 99 is not impossible, but like 149, 199 yeah. seems way more likely. So if Apple makes one, it'll be 299. 349, well, sorry. It, it'll be 299 for the, for the 16 gig. And then, <laughs> and then the it'll 2 jump. terabyte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, I, I can't imagine Apple doing this. Like, I just, can, who the hell would pay any hundred dollars for a a Siri box. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe they think the watch and the the Apple TV and the phone are enough mesh for that. But I, I mean, they have been hiring AI people, so maybe they will in five years be at this level. <laughs> it, it seems like a really steep hill to climb. And I mean, they're, they're like the largest, most profitable company in the world. They can put resources into this. What they can't do is accelerate time. Right, they can't. Yeah, there's mythical man month involved. Yeah, they they can put as much money as could possibly have positive returns into this and not like lose sleep over it. But yeah. any anything above and beyond that will not give them an additional continued advantage. It's not linear growth forever and ever. Well, and we need to link to Marco Arment's article because he he made the point that um, this is the kind of you know, machine learning AI stuff you can't do in secret and unveil, you know, from a cloth <laughs> or from a manila envelope. Like you have to do this work in public with large data sets and with lots of, you know, trial and error and failure and improvement and tweaks. And um, this is why Google is set up well to be the machine learning company and why Apple currently is not. They could change their company to do that, but, you know, it's like turning a battleship, except we found out that it doesn't take very long to turn a battleship, so that's a bad <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, mo- I feel like most of those little quippy metaphors end up not being very good. Um, but I, I think this is... Uh, I, I wonder if there is a possible future where Apple and Google are both just like so tired from having to invest in the thing they actually care about, but then also invest in these other spaces just to stay, uh, you know, relevant in them. Like, could, could we ever see a future where Apple and Google just get together and they're like, you know what? Apple is just like, you know what? We just want to design beautiful boxes. And Google's like, <laughs> we just want to make robots that will inevitably kill us. And then, <laughs> and then they hug and, and then, <laughs> and then that's it, right? Then there's just one beautiful smartphone line available in three sizes, and it has the best possible software, and that's just it. I mean, that's uh, not going to happen. No, it's it's really not. Um, because they both need aspects, they need their foot in the doors of those other places, which just makes them competitors. And I get that it's it's not exactly competitors. It's like, well, over here we work together, on this we share, but... And there's, you know, there's an iOS team at Google that probably loves iPhones. And there's, you know, there's the Apple Music team. I'm sure they don't really like Android. <laughs> They're probably jerks. But well, do, oh, do you do you think we as consumers benefit from them not playing nicely? Like, is is the net gain of competition greater than the net gain of collaboration from giants of this magnitude? Um, I think because of the way Google is, it's probably mostly net gain because their business is set up that they're incentivized to still make cool stuff for iOS. Um, I guess it hurts if you like Apple stuff, but you, it's like, oh, well, they won't bring that to anywhere else ever. So even if I like (laughs) that thing, I have to think it through before I invest in it. Um, I think it was more painful in the Microsoft when Microsoft was more relevant because <laughs> they were too monolithic. They were they're still different companies. You know, Microsoft's the legacy business enterprise company, and Apple is consumer consumer all the way. And it, <laughs> it's just sort of the ri- rise of consumer electronics it was why Apple could rise uh, ride that wave. Um, 
So it was more painful in that era because it was more like pick your side, you get nothing. Whereas now it's like, well, even if you pick Apple, you still get Google. So yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> I'm I'm really I hadn't thought of it until it came to me in a flash uh, earlier, but default apps would like end this discussion for me because <laughs> so much of the quirks of iOS you could just circumvent them forever if you could choose a different default app. And then the few remaining quirks, like the way the notification shade works, like I would learn to deal with that. Like, when if your just... watch became independent, then who cares? Yeah, that's true. Then it's one more reason I mean, not uh, to matter. I, I'm waving the magic wand of the wearable, and it's not necessarily... I mean, it'd still be annoying that your iPad was notifying you stupidly about things, but or that you felt like you had to turn it off. But those paper cuts, to me, uh, are not nearly as vast as the paper cuts of like, oh, someone texted me an address. I'd love to just tap on that and have it open Google Maps. But no, I have to highlight it and copy it and then go into Google Maps, which I'm doing because screw Apple Maps. (laughs) But but I I just like that. What do you have against Iowa, man? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. I guess they're cool. Me and Iowa are cool. Um, but I would just that little bit of streamlining would make the whole experience uh, just a little bit more polished. Um, I do want to talk about this, this one other thing they announced, uh, which was Android apps on Chrome OS. And this did not make the keynote. This was like, there was a session about it the next day. And then people who were paying close attention were like, Holy crap. Did you guys see what they just said in there? (laughs) Didn't they announce this a while back too? like, that they were going to do this? Well, so they did do this. And th- this is where it, it gets... The, the whole Android Chrome OS thing is is weird, right? It's like a rivalry within the same company. Um, it's like word perfect and word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they, they said, oh, we're going to try and experiment where some Android apps, literally like this half dozen of Android apps, will be allowed to run on Chrome OS... Just to, you know, kind of see what that's like. Maybe, maybe we'll see what that's like. And obviously everyone was like, oh, this is coming. Like, this is definitely coming. But now that it's official and supported and it's part of just how Chrome OS is going to function for the the near future, foreseeable future, uh, I've been recently talking with Susan of Eclectic Readers fame, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash readers. And uh, did that just she, beat out actually referencing our show notes? Did we? Oh yeah, because the show notes for for a, a, an episode like this are kind of like, yep, they're in there. There's <laughs> there's useful links that we cobbled together for you. Um, and yes, it totally. Hey, come on, cross promotion, <laughs> brand identity. That's all, all right. happening here. Stay on point. <laughs> uh, she has a Windows. Lenovo laptop. See, I couldn't even remember the brand because who cares? It runs Windows. <laughs> she, has, she has a Lenovo laptop, and it, dude, it's you're her. getting a Dell. Dude, you are. What happened to him? Did he ever get out of jail? <laughs> um, this uh, this this laptop. She does not love Windows 10. She doesn't hate it, but she's not like a big fan. Uh, the machine itself is is kind of eh, and a few weeks ago pretty recently uh hp announced this beautiful new chromebook and it's got powerful enough guts 
that you're like, yeah, I could run a bunch of tabs and have a bunch of web apps going and do a bunch of stuff because it has powerful RAM and a relatively powerful processor and, and it's the hardware itself seems nice or it's brushed aluminum and all that kind of stuff. But what really actually attracted me to the hardware is that they also HP builds this amazing USB C dock. And because Susan uses her computer for work, when she wants to use it like on the couch, she has to unplug like 30 things because there's an external monitor and there's a mouse and there's a keyboard and there's a printer and there's the ethernet. And it's like, no, 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 all of that crap can go into this USB-C dock and then you unplug one thing <laughs> and then you have like 12 hours of battery life. And then when you need more and you, or you have to go back to work or whatever, you plug this one thing back in and it's not like a stupid Dell dock from the early two thousands. Yeah. It's, it's like one actual cable and the prices are reasonable for the hardware you're getting. And I was like, Oh man, this could be really cool, but I don't know how she'd feel about Chrome OS. And then you know, she uses an Android phone. She's actually using my 5X, uh, which is now her 5X. But when they said Android on Chrome OS, I was like, this to me is a death knell to Windows for the average person. Because what the average person wants apps for are very specific things. And the rest of it they do in a web browser. And now you have this like weird amalgam that I think in reality would suit the vast, vast majority of people's needs. So unless these devices prove to not meet her use cases for work, I think we may very soon have zero Windows computers in my home, which will be literally the first time in like my life. I mean, <laughs> since Windows was a thing you had in your home, I have had access to Windows PC ever since. Yeah. When I think this is just the long tail of the web already kind of destroyed the requirement of Windows. It just took forever for reality to catch up that you <laughs> or that you had to have a specific platform that the web was going to fundamentally break this, even though it's still paper cutty all over the place and um, it's not perfect. Um, what I want to see is for mobile apps to get more sophisticated, especially in this tablety or just let's call it big screen space. And maybe the hope is that mobile apps will blow up better than desktop software will suddenly be redesigned to be useful in mobile settings. And I think we saw Microsoft's bet hasn't panned out that well with trying to dramatically turn Windows into a mobile-friendly thing. Um, even though I like some things about their, their new flatter UI, um, I did not like Windows 8, though. Um, no. But... I think sort of like what we talked about with the Sanofsky episode a while back is I'm ready for this new paradigm of this fluid, like, you know, there's a browser and there's these mobile things I can dock on the sides. And, um, but I really need the software to catch up. Like, I don't want to like, you know, Google keeps their stuff pretty well updated and so forth and other like top tier app developers do, but my bank kind of shipped an app a couple years ago and they haven't even updated it for bigger size iPhones, so it's a little blurry and it's like okay like do i want to use this on a 13 inch laptop form factor maybe maybe i'll suffer through it but well and so this is why i think android on chrome os has a fair amount of promise because these apps will roll in windows right you know they'll be windowed apps um, and then if your bank's app sucks, then you just go to your bank's website, which, which probably, probably also sucks. 
<laughs> Simultaneous, <laughs> man. Yes. Yeah, we really we knew where that was going. <laughs> I, I I recently this little side story went through uh, while I was in Alaska, um, hanging out with my mom. I was I set up one password for families. I've got her completely in there, and I was changing all our passwords to strong passwords for her. Nice. And uh, you're a good son, man. The number of even bank websites that are like. 12 is the max man you can't Ugh. you you can't have a stronger password i had one that was it was like six to ten <laughs> this wasn't a bank website but it was like you know ll bean or some random like they paid a contractor to build a <laughs> e-commerce thing for yeah, over a week 2001 <laughs> and then they've been running with it forever and they can't justify <laughs> spending money on security um yeah Sorry yeah. for that aside. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I re- I'm not going to out the company because I don't want my account to go and get hacked. But <laughs> I was recently setting up uh, an account with, with an organization that in some ways has access to some money. So security is not, it's not like, oh, they got access to my Tumblr. Her, her, her. <laughs> not that those aren't valid security concerns. But, you know, whenever like money and stuff is involved, you take it that much more seriously. And uh when I was going to set up my password, I was very annoyed because it said no special characters. And I was like, oh, man, you just you reduced entropy by like so, <laughs> so much by saying that. But on the the weird side of their rules, they didn't seem to have a ceiling on characters. So I made my password like 78 characters or something. <laughs> and it's true. It's all alphanumeric, but it's real long. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, it's like I want to to go back to the topic. I want the apps to get to more fluidly span screen size because we're very rapidly approaching the don't assume something from Android or iOS is for a phone. Um, We're already there with the proliferation of devices. It's just like catch up software. Well, and I think we eventually, maybe not in, in the lifetime of Android and iOS, but at some point in the future, you're going to have, you're going to be accessing an application that has no idea what sort of screen size it's going to be on, right? You're either going to be pulling something down from the web or you're going to be, uh, you'll have like your smart device that you cast the app onto a different yeah. screen because, you know, I have like my giant touch or my giant television and I love it, but it'd be kind of an interesting future where I could say, Oh, I want to play this game, but on the big screen, but it's still a touch game. So I like I want to now touch this giant screen, right? Or like I want to play Scrabble on my my television so that everybody at the party can like have their own little letters and everything or, or whatever, you know? But like if you take these touch apps and you even just put them on larger touch screens, you know, iPad Pros and and 23-inch touchscreen monitors, there's a lot of real estate you now have access to. <laughs> you have that whatever version of Google Plus that was like, whoa, white space. <laughs> uh, there, I, I think we'll, I'll try and find that picture and put that in the show notes too, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 120 for this episode. But it's there's like three monitors. I think the guy's like a triple monitor setup. <laughs> and Google Plus is only in the middle of the middle monitor. And then it's just blinding white light as far as the eye can see. I love that because it's such a stupid example. Like they would design something for that situation. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. But it is... Uh, 
it it's it shows that there are boundaries where people stop considering you're going to make your window wider or taller yeah. or you're going to make it smaller and narrower and and those boundaries for mobile things uh, have not kept up with the actual devices that exist in the world. I mean, I've said it before, the Reddit app on my iPad is the blown up phone app. You know, I can't imagine what that nonsense would look like on your iPad Pro yeah. stretched up to 13 inches. Well, and I, I have Instagram installed on my iPad. Do you have it on yours? I took it off because it looks horrible. Yeah, it looks awful and it doesn't support landscape view. And it's like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not using photography on my iPad. I just want to look at Instagram and I can go to the web, but then it's like, you know, they implemented the smallest number of features possible. Anyway, we're like 80 minutes into an episode and <laughs> I don't need to flog the mobile app horse anymore. Um, it is tremendously cool that you'll be able to run android apps on chrome os i don't know what it means for regular people i think you see a vision for it maybe working for susan i'm more skeptical i i think it's just one more important notch in the belt of chrome os making people go "Uh, i don't have to buy a windows pc because i mean think about someone who has a windows pc i think is maybe more likely to have an Android phone than they are to have an iPhone. So now if that person, their laptop breaks or they're ready to upgrade, they go to Best Buy or whatever, you know, this is not a super tech savvy person. This is not a super tech illiterate person. It's just an average person. Yeah. And they walk in and they're like, oh, this this Chrome OS thing, yeah, I've, I've heard about this. And, oh, it, it runs Android apps now. And I like Android apps. I have some Android apps on my phone that would be cool to have on my computer. And like that might just be enough to make someone change their mind. And if enough people go through that thought process, like that's scary for Microsoft. Well, what I don't understand, so I agree with everything you just said that this whole push is no, about... No, that, that, that can just be the end that you agree <laughs> with, with everything. Um why doesn't Android just have a kick-ass browser and full keyboard support? Why does it have to be Chrome OS emulates or somehow gets shoehorned in Android apps? Why isn't Android just that good with a keyboard form factor? I, That's I my question. I, yeah, I honestly don't know. Um, people have tried to do the Android on x86 thing, and it's because it's not meant for screens that large and it's not really designed for a mouse and keyboard. Because There's they haven't designed it for it. But why yeah, haven't but, they? But exactly. Why the hell haven't they? Like, there's... I think Android is the winner. I mean, I like Chrome OS. I have one that I don't use much because I have 15 <laughs> devices. But um, it, they're perfectly fine devices. They run well on cheap hardware. Um, but Android is the winner, um, I think. I don't... Maybe there's something I don't see about the product strategy to have both going. Just make Chrome amazing on Android and be done with it. The fact that uh, there is, we know that there is code in Android to do windowed apps. That to me says that not only is this going to eventually happen, but Google's going to take it 
really seriously when they do like they're going to show up one day with like pixel C quality hardware and just be like, Hey, this is the you have the same suite of apps you're used to on your phone or on your tablet, but it's desktop class hardware and it's a desktop class, like visual interactive experience. It's, it's not just a big phone. When I see the iPad heading this way, and it's like, yeah, I, I get it that iPad Safari is not going to cut it for web developers or um, <laughs> or just people that enthusiastically use a web browser. It's fine for, you know, one or two tabs and you're reading stuff, but that's nothing they can't... Like, we went into great detail with the Sanofsky episode. That's nothing that can't be solved. And, like, I, I see that as the way forward is... Give me Android and iOS, tablet, whatever, slap it in a keyboard form factor. I think we're over joking about that. And just make the browser amazing. Make it a big boy browser and done. Yeah, I mean, as you have said multiple times, it seems very evident at this point that growing up a mobile OS is easier than dumbing down a desktop OS. Well, user acceptance. People want to use the mobile OS. Well, and there's the mobile OSs are more recent, so they learned lessons from the desktop era, but they're not encumbered by it. I mean, no one, even within Microsoft, would probably argue that the thing holding them back the most is legacy. They have made this commitment. It's part of their their culture and their ethos to support legacy. And at every turn, they're like, we're going to do this new awesome thing. But also built in is all this dumb crap that nobody <laughs> wants because we kind of have to have it there. And it prevents us from doing certain things. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Here's a big Linux thing, too. We're going to bake that in now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that whole thing is weird. Every time I hear someone talk about that, I'm like fascinated and also simultaneously just so like no nah, it's not enough <laughs> like i'm i'm so glad it's there it's i think it's very cool um but it it's not a, it's like a too little too late so this is our template every episode if if we talk if flipping tables goes on long <laughs> enough we're beating up microsoft just like <laughs> like yeah it's whatever apple sucks at this google whatever this and then it's just like oh microsoft let's just start kicking them <laughs> <laughs> well they they just are, they're such good whipping boys. They're just like, nah, it's cool. We'll just keep putting stuff out. <laughs> now, should we put a bow on this? I think so. You can, as always, find the show notes for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 120 for the 120th episode. Mike and I both love feedback. You can find us most easily on the Twitters. I am at Lions in Beta, and Mike, you are? Pseudo Michael, S-U-D-O Michael. If you've been listening to the show in a web browser, that's awesome. We are happy to have you, but you should make your life easier by subscribing in a podcatcher. So right next to the player there, you see those little subscribe buttons. You mash one of those and it'll open your podcatcher app. If you don't have one and you're on iOS, good news, there's one baked in. If you need one and you're on Android, you can use uh, Pocket Casts. I think, Mike, you're still using Overcast on iOS, right? Yep. And I, I've, I've been toying with it a little. Because, you know, Pocket, Ca- Pocket Cast on iOS is not as good as it is on Android. But I'm, I'll I'm seriously still... consider switching to Pocket Cast when they get the, the smart yeah. speed going. I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm, I'm holding out because uh, their, their Android entrant is just so good. But whatever your app of choice is, uh, subscribing just means you're going to get the show delivered to you every week as soon as it releases. You don't have to go fumble with silly websites when you could just live mobile life. 
Uh, if you want to support us a little bit, you can go into iTunes, leave a rating and review that helps other people find the show. And if you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can go onto our Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And depending on the level you support us at, you might actually get your name shouted out at the end of this show or all of our shows. So with that, I want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Cunningham IO, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, and Justin Edwards. We love you all so much, we could not do it without you. So much. See you next week. Thank you.